It's a blessing to be in God's house, um, in different, different churches, um, everywhere, and uh, see that we're all praising the Lord in the most holy place. Amen? Amen. My name is Gabriel. Uh, for those who don't know me, I am actually Health Ministries of the Madoc Seventh Adventist Church, your sister church. Uh, I have been around different churches in Ontario and Jamaica, uh, speaking and doing health presentations. I am a registered nurse, uh, came from Kingston General, and I, by faith, in 2016, I left the hospital to do this work instead. I believe God is calling us because I really believe he's coming soon. Um, how many believe that? I don't know how soon, but I know it's soon. And soon for any of us can be as little as tomorrow because we don't know when we take our last breath, right? We just don't know. It's not showing. Okay. All right. Okay. Today I want to talk a little bit about the greatest medical missionary. Who do you think that might be? And we're going to talk a little bit about restoring the withered right hand into all the world, right? Not just here, but everywhere. And not just everywhere, but here. Amen? I just want to briefly pause to just ask the Lord to be with me. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity to, to do your work. Lord, I am nothing. I pray that you'll hide me behind you and that your words would only come through. May each one of us experience the love that you have for, for us, Lord. Your mercy and your grace will never end. We thank you for hearing these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. So restoring the withered right hand. In John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11, Jesus said, I come, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So the objectives that we have for today is number one, to recognize and know Christ as the great medical missionary. Number two is to understand the role of the medical missionary work in the proclamation of the gospel. And number three, to implement Christ's methods of labor in spreading the gospel. So healing in God's word. How many of you have actually found healing in God's word? I know I have. Um, back in 2000, I was very much in the world, very much unhappy, very much depressed, very much sick, um, very much wanting to take my life. Um, I struggled for many, many years, and uh, I got a hold of this book. Nobody loved me in the church. <laughs> I, no one reached out to me. Um, it was the Holy Spirit that did his work, and I responded and it's the best thing I could have ever done in my entire life, and it's been 18 years. And um, Jesus doesn't change. He just gives you more and more. Amen. So we're going to start off with Psalms 107, verse 17. It says, Fools 
because of the transgression and because of their inequities are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. So what does this meat mean? Many of us will take this to be food, animal food, um, but it's much different than that. So in the 1828 dictionary, I have found that in scripture, spiritual food actually is that which sustains and nourishes spiritual life and holiness. And in John 6.55, Jesus said, my flesh is meat indeed. So that tells us that it's not just the meat of animals, right? It's the meat of God's word. It's the truth. It's that which sets us free from our own bondage. Spiritual comfort, that which delights the soul. And then John 4.34 says, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Again, in Psalms 107, verse 19, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Amen? He saved me out of my distresses. I'm not going to stand before you saying I don't have any challenges, but I can tell you so much from the bottom of my heart. The challenges that I have are nothing like the challenges that I had in the world because in the world there was no answers. But in God's word, there is always an answer to everything. In verse 20, he said, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And verse 21, how often do we really give God thanks? How often do we really praise him? Is it just on Sabbath? Is it just when things are going good? Do we praise him in our trials? Do we understand that our trials is for the purification of our own character? I may say not the character of others, but the character of our own, our own hearts. So we're going to take a look at the fall and restoration. In Genesis 3, 6, and this is the fall. This is when sin came in to this earth. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree to be desired to make one wise... She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, and he did eat. But in Genesis 3.15, we're told, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So there was already a plan put in place. Isn't that amazing? How could a God so magnificent and so great and so perfect and so pure create human beings and know that, that we, would, we would fall into sin? And still, he, he created us. Isn't God good? That's a profound love that we cannot comprehend. So Jesus was sent as the Savior of the world 
instantaneous substitution. The instant man accepted the temptations of Satan and did the very things God had said he should not do, Christ, the Son of God, stood between the living and the dead, saying, Let the punishment fall on me. I will stand in man's place. He shall have another chance. What love, what condescending love. The king of glory proposed to humble himself to fallen humanity. Is, is that not comprehensible? This is the same love, though, that the Lord is asking us to be, to have for each one, each one of us, to help one another. So we're going to look at a couple of things briefly. And please realize that this is not inexhaustible. I mean, these are just the tip of the iceberg examples, okay? So um, I would be here for years trying to expound on God's word, but we're just going to look at a couple of things. We're going to look at Christ's our example. We're going to look at his personal ministry. And we're going to look at his success and efficiency. So just move right into Christ, our example. Our Lord Jesus Christ came to this world as the unwearied servant of man's necessity. Did you realize that you had needs? Did you realize that you needed a Savior? He took our infirmities and bare our sickness that he might minister to every need of humanity. That's found in Matthew 8:17. The burden of disease and wretchedness, wretchedness and sin he came to remove. It was his mission to bring to men complete restoration. He came to give them health and peace and perfection of character. How many of us want true health and true peace? I know I do. I crave it. Varied were the circumstances and needs of those who besought his aid, and none who came to him went away unhelped. Amen? For every single person, young, old, rich, poor, scholared and uneducated, every race, every creed, every country, every culture, oh, what love. From him flowed a stream of healing power, and in body and mind and soul, men were made whole. At the shore, the Savior's work was not restricted to any time or any place. His compassion knew no limits. On the green hill slopes of Galilee, in the thoroughfares of travel by the seashore, in the synagogues, in every other place where the sick could be brought to him, was to be found his hospital so wherever Jesus was he was the hospital he was the hospital and this is still true today in every city every town every village through which he passed he laid his hands upon the afflicted ones and he healed them he comforted them with the assurance of their heavenly father's love and all day he ministered to all of those that came to him. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. 
For 40 years of my life, I sat in darkness. I lived my life in such darkness, but I didn't know any better. I didn't think there was anything beyond what I knew at that time. But I saw great light. And to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light sprung up. Is this your experience? Have you met Jesus yet? Really? Have you? Ask yourself that question. Some of us have grown up in the church, generation after generation. Some of us came in when we were youth. Some of us came in through marriage. For whatever reasons, you're here because of God and his grace. And it's only his grace. His voice was the first sound that many had ever heard. His name was the first word they had ever spoken. His face was the first they had ever looked upon. As he passed through the towns and cities, he was like a vital current diffusing light and joy. Would you want to be around him? I ask again, would you want to be around this Christ? Have you ever experienced going into a room where the room was full of tension? I mean, any situation where the room was just so full of tension, maybe you don't know what the issue was, but the tension is so thick that you can cut it, and you're standing there and you're frozen. You actually don't know if you should still go back like further in or leave, and you're just stuck. I've been there, and it doesn't feel good. Now, picture yourself in an environment where you go into a room, and it's warm. It's genuine. People are kind and warm, and they're talking to you. Do you want to leave, or do you want to stay? That's what it's like with Jesus. When you meet him, you don't want to go. You truly don't want to go. His voice was heard explaining the scriptures. Often he talked in the outer courts of the temple that the Gentiles might hear his words. Now, who's the Gentiles? Who are the Gentiles? The Gentiles are those who are like kind of out there. And, you know, back then they only had their own way of doing things. And they said, no, it's not for them. And like, Jesus, how could you ever go over there? Well, this was an example that the Gentiles was the world. The world. So, Jesus has no favorites. And I appreciate what was said earlier. Jesus treats us all equally. I think it was in Sabbath school. We're all equal. Take a look around. You know each other here. Some may have an education. Maybe some don't. Maybe some have some health issues, maybe some don't. And sometimes we, we poke fingers at each other. And I hear that there's communion coming up next week, and I also would like to encourage you to search your heart and ask Christ. Ask Christ to show you where your defect is, not where the defect of the brethren are, but where yours is, because he's calling you to be that example, Right? He was always patient and cheerful and afflicted 
and the afflicted hailed him as a messenger of life and peace. He saw the needs of men and women, children and youth, and he gave the invitation to all, come unto me, come unto me. One day this world is not going to be like this. One day. Okay, so let's take a look at his personal ministry. He came personally for one specific purpose, that they might have life. The life here spoken is that which includes not only the physical, but the mental and the spiritual. Does that sound like a wonderful health message to you? John 10.10 says, I came, I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. He gave his life. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. That's from 1 Peter 3.18. He came that he might bring life and immortality to light. He bore the sin of the world, endured its curse, yielded up his life as a sacrifice that men might not eternally die. So let's go that he bore the sin of the world. He endured its curse. How are you when you're offended? I'm not asking you to ask, answer to me. Just, just in your own mind. How easily do we get offended, including myself? How easy? And I learn about this Jesus who never once retaliated, no matter what they did to him. Can you imagine as we tear each other apart, here is Jesus being torn to shreds and not one retaliation, but he prayed for them. He prayed for them to his own father and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. I pray that this is our prayer, that we will be more and more like Jesus. He personally ministered to the needs of others. Are we ministering to the needs of others? Are we ministering to the needs of our wife, our husband, our children? Because even in that home, there's dynamics going on. Even in that home. The hardest place to be a Christian is in our own home. Because many of us have grown up with the concept that my home is the place where I hang my hat. And what I do behind this closed door is my business and not the business of others. Have you, any of you heard that? Secrets. Lots of secrets. But guess who knows? Jesus knows everything that's going on. Luke 4.18 says he came to preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted. Who's brokenhearted today? He preached deliverance to the captives. Do you know that we can hold ourselves as a captive? We are our own worst enemy at times. Through worry, stress, constant nervousness, not knowing what's going on. But if we can come above all of that that's here in this world and focus on Christ and what he has to give you, you will be surprised that this worry melts away. That was my experience coming into the truth, 
That's why for me, it's so profound. The depression that I had, I have to tell you that I did experience this. It just, it's almost like it started at my head and it just worked its way down and it just kind of melted away. So for 18 years, I had, this body has not seen an Ativan for anxiety. Since 18 years, this body has not seen or given or had an antidepressant since then. But that was only the Lord that did that. It's amazing. It, he just amazes me so much. And he can do that for you too. I am no different than you. <laughs> I struggle. I have my temptations. But guess what? We're all in this together, right? Every single one of us are in this together. We may be going through different things at different times, and we're all at different levels. But remember, we are not alone. We're not alone. Don't feel that your story or what you're experiencing is that no one else is experiencing it. Just remember, Jesus experienced every bit of it, but your fellow, your fellow men, whether it's at work or not, they're experiencing things too. They just don't know it yet. He preached recovering of sight to the blind. He set at liberty them that are bruised. And in John 8, 12, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness. So his personal ministry brought him into the contact with humanity's deepest needs. Did you know that the craving of a human heart is that of um, needing to be loved? That's the greatest of the greatest. We search for love in all the wrong places. Gambling. uh, Poor relationships. Fighting at home. We just, we just, like we need to go and we need to get that higher excitement out there. Drugs, alcohol, um, parties. All of these things, we're trying to find love. And if we take a look at Hollywood, I don't know if there's anybody in Hollywood that's really genuinely happy. It's, it's just all a front. So let's look at this one. He recognized the needs of humanity. He went in person. Christ went in person to the needs of anybody who would be willing to listen. Are we doing that even right here? Are we doing that? He gave a sympathetic ear to the troubled. Those who were imprisoned by sin and those bound down by worry, anxiety, and fear. He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. Christ feels the woe of every sufferer. When when fever is burning out the life current, he feels the agony. It was not just at the cross. The cross, it was done at the cross as far as him gaining victory. But his work is not done. He is still very much alive and well in the most holy place, interceding, and praying to his Father for you. 
I was having some trouble a couple of years ago, feeling really down uh, with my own crises as my son. Um, I have a, a wayward child who's just been racked with drugs and crystal meth and all of this stuff, and he ended up in Kingston General for three months on lockdown. He was an animal. He, I did not know him. I did not know his face. He, he was drug-induced psychosis from crystal meth. So for any of you parents out there who may be experiencing some of these things, um, I've been there many times with this child, uh, still going through things with him. But don't worry. Jesus also knows. And like the demonic, Jesus can heal my son's brain. I know he can, and I have to let go of my own feelings of a mother, and I give them to God. I have to, because Satan will do everything that he can to take you down. He will use your children, your grandchildren, your husband, your wife, anything that you love, anything that you have passion for. He will attempt to take it, but we don't have to let him. So this is why Jesus came too. He already knows and I've just given him to God, and I said, Lord, he's your son. Do what you must to save him. And I carry on with the work. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's not easy. But continue to pray for your children. Please, don't ever give up. It may take 20 years. You may never see the, the, the results of your prayer yet. But don't give up. Don't give up. Jesus is just as willing to heal the sick now as he was here on the earth personally. Can we do the same? Are we willing? His hand is outstretched in pitying tenderness to every suffering child. Through his servants, God designs that the sick, the unfortunate, and those possessed of evil spirits shall hear his voice. This is, reminds me of my own son, because when, when people are on drugs, it's been my experience of back and forth to the hospital, of course, being a nurse in the hospital too. Uh, one thing that I learned from this experience is I have to tell you, every single person that goes into a psychosis like that think they're Jesus. I have seen so many youth in there in lockdown, and they're all saying that I'm doing Jesus' work. I'm Jesus, and I have a message. I was like floored when I heard that, even my own son. And they really, really, really think that they are Christ or they're Christ's representative, and they're doing all this evil. And I thought, Lord, wow. Look what Satan is doing to the mind. He's after the mind. It's, am it's just amazing. So those who are possessed with evil spirits, that's exactly what happens. The demonics. Through his human agencies, he desires to be a comforter such as the world knows not. From every direction, there are coming calls for help. Are you noticing that there's coming calls from help among you? Or are we, are we self-absorbed? 
I think that we're still self-absorbed, including myself. I put myself in this category. Please don't think I'm here doing this. I hope you don't ever think that. I'm looking at me. Christ calls all in his church to follow his steps and give personal service. By doing this, we give evidence to those who know him not, that there is a God who cares. One simple example of me and my husband, even like eight years ago, we were looking for a trailer or something, and we were on this trailer park. And when we were finished, um, we just kindly gave a smile and said thank you very much to the sales lady. And we were in our car, and she actually bent down, and she said, thank you very much for smiling. And I said to my husband, is the world that bad that people can't even smile anymore? That's sad. So when we can't, don't see people smiling, smile anyway. About your business, please smile. You do not know how much of a medical missionary work even just that is alone. You can bring somebody up out of despair just by a smile. Just a smile. That's amazing. So Christ calls his people to personal service. Ye are the light of the world. Every one of you is a light in this world. Every one of you in some capacity. You don't have to have a lot of money to do God's work. You don't have to go to far, far missionary fields to do God's work. It could be right in your own home with your own children. Being kind to them. Next time they get on your nerves, you know, and you know how you are going to react or you typically react, stop, think, step back, and come forward and respond differently. It may seem strange, but you'll get used to it, and I guarantee you your response that you get is going to be extremely complete opposite. Just try it. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Those who are received are to impart to others. So the members of Christ's church, these are some things that we need to be willing to do. We must be willing to take time to hear people's problems. And for many of us, when we just start dealing and hearing people's problems, automatically we want to give them a solution. Am I right? Do we always think that we have to give a solution? Right? We have an answer back, oh, this is what you should do, or that's what you should do, right? Sometimes all they need is just somebody to listen. All they need is a sounding board. We must have no spirit of condemnation. We cannot come close to people by the display of a shocked attitude. So if you hear something that you that just kind of blew your mind remember body language speaks louder than words so just be careful that you don't show a shocked face 
We must demonstrate sympathy, kindness, understanding to others' weaknesses and needs. There is a need of coming close to the people by personal effort. Every Christian is to be a missionary. They are a part of the great web of humanity, and heaven looks upon them as brothers to sinners as well as to saints. We are to be brothers to sinners as well as to saints. What does that really mean? I'll ask you to to start to think about that yourself. In Ministry of Healing, page 143, who has Ministry of Healing here? Who needs a ministry? Who would like to have a Ministry of Healing book? Yes, we see one, two, three. Any more hands? Four, five, six. Marie, I I would ask you to go and see Marie at some point, and she will definitely make sure that you get a Ministry of Healing book. It is one of the most powerful, powerful books. I know it's helped me, especially the last four chapters in that book. I have one that's so ripped apart uh, because, like I said, when I came into the truth, that was one of the books that I read, and it's kind of falling apart and marked up. But even today, 18 years later, when I'm feeling low, that's the book I go to. It's definitely a go-to. And the Ministry of Healing, page 143, says the world needs today what it needed 1,900 years ago, a revelation of Jesus Christ. A great work of reform is demanded, and it is only through the grace of Christ that the work of restoration, physical, mental, and spiritual can be accomplished. So, Christ's basis of success and efficiency, we'll quickly go through these. So, what enabled Jesus to do his work? Sorry. The answer is found in the 17th chapter of John, and that was his oneness with God, his oneness with the Father. So if we are one with Christ, we will get the same power and peace that Jesus got from his Father. From the days of eternity, the Lord Jesus was one with the Father, and he still is. The unity that exists between Christ and his disciples does not destroy the personality of either. He revealed the Father. He, re- he actually revealed the Father in his character. His prayer life. All day he ministered to the thrones that came to him. And when he sent the multitudes away, he, at times he also spent time with his Father. I know Enoch, he spent more time with, with, with the Lord than he did going out. But he had to get power, right? Jesus said, come apart and rest a while. I didn't tell you to toil into exhaustion, but what I did say is, come apart and pray for laborers. Come apart and pray. He knows our weak frame. His spiritual life. The rabbis knew that Jesus had not been instructed in their schools, yet his understanding, sorry, his understanding of the prophecies far exceeded theirs. Jesus met Satan with the words in Scripture, it is written. 
This is what we need to do. That is our warfare. It is written. It is written. It is written. That's how he overcame. So how to achieve oneness? Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye abide in me. I am the vine and ye are the branches. So Jesus is the vine. You may feel the deficiency of your own character and the smallness of your own ability in comparison with the greatness of the work. But Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. So if we call upon him, he will help us to do that great work that he's calling us to do. The results of all we do rests in the hands of God. So let's, I, I, w- I would, if you want to write these down, these are the different prayers, a couple of different prayers from the Bible. So one comes from Psalms 51, which is David's prayer. Daniel 9 is Daniel's prayer. Matthew 6, the Lord's prayer. John 17, Christ's prayer as well. I'm just going to skip a couple of these. So in choosing men and women for God's service, he does not ask whether they have worldly wealth, learning, or eloquence. But he does ask the question, do they walk in such humility that I can teach them my way? Can I put my words into their lips? Will they respect? Will they represent me? So the right hand is the medical missionary work. The gospel cannot go without the health, and the health cannot go without the gospel. They need to come together. When Jesus reached people, he reached their physical needs first. What I may say to one person, I will not say to another person. We have to know our audience, right? They have to be able to hear. We need to reach the physical needs first, and then their heart will be opened to hear the gospel. This is what Jesus did. Every city is to be entered by workers trained to do medical missionary work. God's method of treating disease will open doors for the entrance of present truth. Amen? If we help people with their physical needs, did you know that that is the door that's going to open their hearts to the gospel? Isn't that simple? You don't have to be a doctor, surgeon, psychiatrist. You don't have to be any of those things. You don't have to have have education. If you care about people, there's your answer right there already. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd for the I am the good shepherd, for the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. John ten, eleven. Um I we have a few minutes left. If you don't if you don't mind, I really would like to share a song with you. Would that be okay? I'm learning more and more and more that my focus has to be on Jesus. I am learning for myself more and more that I need to be like Jesus. I'm not Jesus. 
but I need to be like him, and I want to be like him, and I crave to be like him. And I say, Lord, you got to take every single thing. you got to tear this heart apart. I give you permission to do it. I can't do it myself. I can't hold on to this heart for you. I'm messing up all the time, but my desire is to be like Christ. The sweet, sweet, sweet peace that Christ gives when we let go and let God If you tried to give me a million dollars, I would tell you to take it back because nothing will ever replace that, that peace. I came across this song through my daughter and granddaughter who actually sang it, and she's only six years old. And I'm really convicted. I've been singing this in my brain like this past two weeks. I thought, Lord, maybe I should just share it. I'm not a singer by any stretch of the imagination, but I like to sing to my Lord. And I'm just going to sing it without any music. There is peace in Christ when we learn of him. Feel the love he felt for us when he bore our sins. Listen to his words. Let them come alive, and if we know him as he is, there is peace in Christ. He gives us hope when hope is gone. He gives us strength when we can't go on. He gives us shelter. In the storms of life, when there is no peace on earth, there is peace in Christ. There is peace in Christ when we walk with him through the streets of Galilee to Jerusalem. Mend the broken hearts, dry the tear-filled eyes. When we live the way he lived, there is peace in Christ. He gives us hope when hope is gone. He gives us strength when we can't go on. He gives us shelter in the storms of life. When there's no peace on earth, there is peace in Christ. He gives us hope when hope is gone. He gives us strength when we can't go on. He gives us shelter in the storms of life. When there's no peace on earth, there is peace in Christ. When there's no peace on earth, there is peace in Christ. Let Christ be your guide. When you leave this place today, please... Take Christ home with you for the rest of your life. This is not just a good sermon. 
I'm just introducing you to the one that died for me, died for you, saved me from the hell that I lived in, and he can do it for you. Amen. May God bless you. And I pray that if I don't see you anymore, I'll see you in eternity, in the earth made new. Amen.